Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Adventure Games Podcast. Uh, The Adventure Games Podcast is back after a one-week hiatus. And this week, I go from the Wild West to a Mage's Initiation with Daniel Stacy of Himalaya Studios. But first, just want to go through some news, and quite a lot of big announcements have been made regarding new games and big news happening over the last couple of weeks. And I suppose we can only start with Revolution Software's announcement of a sequel to Beneath the Steel Sky. Their new game is called Beyond the Steel Sky, and Charles Cecil has said that it will be a fully 3D environment where you can stroll through and interact with and with full camera control. Now, he is working alongside Dave Gibbons, who you may know was the artist for the Watchmen comics. He also worked with Charles Cecil on Beneath the Steel Sky, the original game. Now, for those who don't know, Beneath the Steel Sky was released in 1994, and it is many people's favourite game of all time, and many other people's in the top ten. So, this is very exciting news. It People have been waiting for a long time for a sequel to Beneath the Steel Sky, and we nearly got one a few years ago for a Kickstarter for Broken Sword, when that was one of the tiers. Unfortunately, we didn't get to that tier, but uh, it has now been announced. So, a bit about the game Beyond the Steel Sky. The protagonist from Beneath the Steel Sky, Robert Foster, will be back. He will explore society viewed through the lens of social control and privacy, as enacted by the omniscient AI created by Foster at the end of Beneath the Steel Sky. So... The sequel will explore how living under a watchful AI can be both beneficial and detrimental to society. And Charles Cecil has said that the game will be similar in tone to George Orwell's 1984 and Terry Gilliam's Brazil. And gameplay-wise, he has said, he mentioned uh, everybody's gone to the rapture. And so the good news as well is we while we don't have a release date yet, they have said that they're hoping to release by the end of 2019. So this is definitely some really great news. And yeah, we can all hope that this game will be as good as Beneath the Steel Sky. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this is going to go. And Charles Hessel has also said that you don't need to play the first game in order to fully enjoy this game. But I would recommend you do. It's available on Steam and GOG, and it's not very expensive, and it's one of the great adventure games. So, uh, so secondly, Francisco Gonzalez, who I interviewed in episode one, he has announced his new adventure game called Rosewater. Now, this is a western, but it is set in the world of Lamplight City, his previous game. So... Again, this is very exciting. I, I can't think of any other serious Western game. Uh, I know that there are comedy Western games, one of which we will talk about in today's interview. 
but this is certainly the first western set in a steampunk location that I can think of. Uh, now, we don't know very many details, but what we do know is, as I mentioned a few weeks ago, that Francisco Gonzalez said it will be more traditional than his last game, there will be an in inventory and more puzzles, as well as that, he has said that he just started working on the game full-time in January, so he doesn't have a specific release date, but he said hopefully within the next year and a half, so probably by 2020, maybe the end of that year, so we still have quite a way to go, but the characters will also be rotoscoped, like he did with Lamplight City, and he's also looking forward to bringing back a character from Lamplight City who'd fit into the Prospector life amusingly well. I don't know who the character is, I'll have to check Lamplight City again, but again, some exciting news. I have really enjoyed all of Francisco Gonzalez's games, and I'm looking forward to this one as well. And then another game that was announced, uh, The Lord of the Rings Golem by Daedalic, who made Pillars of the Earth. They made the Pony series, A New Beginning. So they're well known for adventure games and State of Mind as well uh, last year. But this game has just been announced and still not much is known about it. So they're aiming for a 2021 release date. Now they, they're still figuring out the exact gameplay. They said it's stealth will be a part quite naturally. And they have used the Pillars of the Earth as an example. So again, I don't know how much action or stealth will be in the game, but I'm hoping that there will also be a lot of adventuring, more traditional adventuring, as well, or hopefully it won't be oh, too much action, or we can have an easier mode for those who don't like action. But again, it should be should be interesting. And again, it we won't see it for a while, but it's some interesting news there. And then also, uh, Quantic Dream, as I said before, bringing their games to PC. There's some more news about that. Uh, their games, Heavy Rain. Be, uh, Beyond Two Souls, Detroit Become Human, they are going to be exclusively available on Epic's PC Store for the first year. And so this is also a bit news about Epic Store, that they have a few exclusives for the first year, which include games like The Outer Worlds, After Party, and also Stinking uh, City, which will be released in June. That's going to be re released exclusively on Epic Store as well for the first year. So uh, David Cage from Quantic Dream has also said that they are going to self-publish their games from now on, so they won't be working with the publisher. So again, I'm looking forward to playing these games as I really enjoyed, for the most part, Fahrenheit. And, and then also I just wanted to mention one or two games that I have played recently that are independent games. First one is called Nick's Night Out by Apex Chimps, not Apex Legends, but Apex Chimps, which is an indie studio in Spain. Now, this game is available on mobile, it's available on Android and iPhone. And in this game, you have to help Nick get home before his parents find out he's away from home. And it's a short game, it's free to play. It is about 15-20 minutes, 
which might not seem like a long time, but again, it's mobile, and if you are traveling, if you are on a plane or on a train or on a bus or somewhere, and you want to get your adventure game fixed during the journey, I think this would be a great way to, to do it. And the graphics look really, really beautiful, and it's very funny, and there are some puzzles in it. Uh, it didn't take me very long, but I really, really enjoyed it, and I would like to see more from Nick, and I hope that they can make a full adventure game. So again, that's Nick's Night Out by Apex Chimps, available on mobile. And also, finally, I was very lucky to to play a better version of Antenna Dilemma by Goloso Games, and uh, I really, really enjoyed it. I just want to give that a shout out, and I will be reviewing that game in more detail when it is released. We still don't know a release date exactly, but uh, the developer is working on a release date trailer, which should drop probably any minute now. So I am really looking forward to to that. And and also, I was delighted to read the very first review for the Adventure Games podcast on iTunes, which was very positive. It was by Una Lindstrom in the USA. Now, I'm a little bit embarrassed to read all of it, but I will put it up for anybody who's interested. So she said, so again, she describes a podcast. She says, a podcast dedicated to adventure gaming. The focus is on contemporary point and clicks and their creators, exactly what I've been wanting, which is one of the reasons why I started a podcast, because I wanted a podcast about this as well. So I'm glad that there are other people like me. And then she gives some very, very nice feedback, uh, saying this is the podcast you've been waiting for. And she also compares the two other podcasts, like Backseat Designers, Open Crowdsource, and Blue Cup Tools, so which are also podcasts that I would recommend if you want to listen to podcasts dedicated to adventure games. And she also says that this podcast fills the void very capably. So thank you so much to Una Lindstrom. So if you enjoy the podcast, then, and you want to help share the podcast, you want to help give it exposure, then please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, as this will also help, as well as helping the podcast, it will help the developers who come on the show and whose games I mention and help give them exposure as well. So... So that's it. So now I the interview will be this week will be with Daniel Stacy of Himalaya Studios. Himalaya Studios, of course, made the King's Quest and Quest for Glory 2 remakes. They also worked on Alamo and The Lost of Transmine. And most recently they released Mage's Initiation, Reign of the Elements. So we'll be talking a little bit about those games. Daniel Stacy was one of the main writers for those games. And I spoke to him about them, and I really, really enjoyed the conversation. He's a really nice guy. He's really funny and charming, and I had a great time speaking to him, and I hope you do too. So first, here is a trailer from the latest game, Mage's Initiation, Reign of the Elements, followed by the interview. So please enjoy. Once humans reigned, their technology stood defiant until the elements took it back. From the ashes of the old world, a new class emerged, mages. Chosen by the elements to guide humanity from past missteps. 
I was six when they conscripted me. They said I had unique, magical gifts. After ten years of study, my initiation day is here. All is not as it appears in the land of Iganor. Our benevolent winged protectors have turned against us. Savage goblins are on the warpath. And within our own ranks, treachery is afoot. The very fate of Iganor depends on my success. I fear this task, on the day of your initiation no less, will teach you more than you would wish to learn. So today I am joined by Daniel Stacy of Himalaya Studios. Uh, hello, Daniel. How are you? I am very well. Good to be here. Uh, thank you for joining me. It's a real pleasure to have you on, on the podcast. I'm so glad we could, we could talk, even though we're on opposite ends of the world. You're in Australia. I'm in Ireland. But we, 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 can, we got it going eventually. <laughs> we are uh, understanding each other. We've, we've managed to break down the language barrier. So that's, exactly. Yeah, I'll be jealous now. <laughs> Exactly, the Irish accents and the Australian accents. Well, a lot of Irish people, you know, went to, have gone to Australia anyway, so. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, to start off, as I start off with every interview, uh, would you mind giving a brief introduction about yourself and any favourite adventure games that you have, that you like to play? Well, that's not a small question, but we'll have a go. Um, <laughs> it's... Uh, so my name is Daniel Stacey. I've had, for a number of years, had the pleasure of writing for numerous games um, for Himalaya, commercial and non-commercial, uh, back when it was uh, Tierra Entertainment. And my favorite games, well, my first, my first adventure game ever was Space Quest 3. So I think I'm most fond of that one. Uh, and my second one is King's Quest 4. So that was my my second most fond one. Uh, the other, the other ones I've enjoyed of Tex Murphy, Gabriel Knight, Quest for Glory series. More recently, I've uh, enjoyed the um, the Witcher series, which is more of an RPG thing, but I think it has quite strong adventure game elements in it. But it's all about story, so that's that's right, why yeah. I gravitate towards that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, so you're definitely a, a Sierra guy, then, right? You grew up playing Sierra games. <laughs> I'd say, I'd say, yeah. I think it's more Sierra than. I mean, the other one when I was growing up was LucasArts, so mm -hmm. I guess, and and they, they were fun. I mean, the the um, I was trying to think what they were called, um, and I was thinking Salmon the Sorcerer. I enjoyed that, but that's neither. Um, <laughs> the Salmon Max. Ah, <laughs> uh, not player. Salmon Max. It's probably one I haven't played. Um, and I'm trying. Oh, Monkey Island, of yes. course. Yes, yeah. I think everyone uh, kind of that's a go-to game for everyone's favorite game, you know, mm -hmm. Lucas game. But you know, it's funny because I still, I still to this day read, you know, on forums and all, which you prefer, Sierra or LucasArts? And uh, now I grew up playing LucasArts games, but I go, well, I like boats, you know, games from boat companies, you know, like they're games that I like more than others. But you know, I like the, you know, the Monkey Island games and Seven and Max and Day of the Tentacle, but I also like the Quest for Glory and some of the King's Quest games and Space Quest, as you say. So, then you mentioned that you were a writer for Himalaya Studios, originally Tierra. Uh, how did you get started working for Himalaya? Yes, yeah, so uh, it was back in 2001. 
Um, and uh, I was way doing, back, <laughs> way way back. Um, and I was doing beta testing for the uh, for their King's Quest One uh, remake, which was just a one to one remake. They were just up- updating the graphics and everything. Uh, and at that time, it was called Tierra Entertainment. Uh, they had to change the name. There was another uh, AGD Interactive. That's what they changed it to um, because because Sierra said no, that's a bit too close. Ah. To so it, it was one it was one letter off. So I can I can sort of see that point, but yeah. So yeah, so we've got going through some name changes and eventually. Um, so yeah, um, so that's how I started with the with the beta testing. And while I was doing that, I thought, oh, I'll just write some stuff for the next game just in case they decide to remake that. Maybe I could just add a beginning bit and an end bit and a bit in the middle do the rest of the game as is. And um, Chris Warren and Brittany Brimpole, who were who were in charge at the time, liked it and they said, Oh, that's great. Write more. Great. And so... it kind of snowballed out of out of control. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how King's Quest two remake came about, uh, because that's, you that's right. you took the initiative, you wrote the remake and they said, Yeah, sure, great. <laughs> It's just one of those things where you just think, oh, okay, what else could I add? What else could I change? What else? Mm. And then all of a sudden I had a novella, um, <laughs> so I could base it on that. Oh, great. So, yeah, so you mentioned that uh, you the, the company made uh, King's Quest remakes. Uh, how, how many King's Quest games did you remake or did the company remake? The first three. I, sh- I should just point out, we did sign contracts for all of these, so um, we, we were allowed to do them. <laughs> it wasn't um, Okay, yeah. It's all, it's all above board, everything's fine. <laughs> did, did you speak um, with uh, Roberta and Ken Williams or people at Sierra before you made the remakes then? No, we, we only ever spoke to the legal people. Okay. Uh. <laughs> uh, so. yeah, we didn't have people of our own, so we couldn't have our people talk to their people. They just spoke directly to us, yeah. Okay, no, that's that's good because I, I I do know that there were other projects, you know, other fan remakes that were shut down by companies uh, because they didn't get the permission. So it's good to know that uh, you guys actually went and spoke to the Sierra legal people first. Um, so because then also I, I don't I can't I'm not I'm not going to claim on the timeline. Uh, at some point we spoke to them, <laughs> and at some point we got permission. Yeah, we just finished this game. Uh, it's a King's Quest. Or maybe we could just change the title, like, I don't know, uh, Queen's Journey or King's Journey. <laughs> um, no, because I can imagine that if you are making the game and it's a passion project and then right when you're finishing and then Sierra might go or whoever might go, oh, sorry, we don't, we don't want you to make this game. So, you know, cease and desist. It would be heartbreaking. So I'm very ha- happy to see that those three games were made. And, yeah, uh, I mean, the context of that time, I seem to recall, was it was a period where um, adventure games weren't uh, doing very well. They, they were right. they had sort of hit they'd hit, a, they'd hit a quite a low point, um, and I think that was really the the aim. The philosophy was to to get interest back in into the adventure game genre. Right, because as we know, the adventure genre had died then. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was late nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's good. And why did you? Uh, guys, well, why did the company, um, we call it Himalaya, or, you know, Tierra back then, why did you guys decide to remake the King's Quest games? What was it about those games that made you want to remake them? I think for Brittany and Chris with the first game, and I'm just speculating because I don't mm-hmm. remember what, why they did that, but I've, <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling it was, it was a personal challenge to them to see if they could uh, get uh, to, to create a game, albeit mm-hmm. based 
on another one. Um, but you know, to, to put all the assets together, to get everything done, coded everything within a year. I think that was their that was their, their challenge that they set themselves to to, to do that. Um, they both had the talent to do it, um, and and they achieved that. Uh, and it, it gave them the confidence to keep going. Right, yeah, not a, because then you made remade and King's Quest two and three. Well, thanks to you to make. Uh, uh, yeah, it's my, it's, my, it's my fault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Quest two, um, yeah, like I said, was was started with with just small little additions, and then just gradually added more and more and more um, until. And I think my my thinking was as I went along because because King's Quest two has quite a lot of disparate elements, and this is not against the game or anything because um, mm-hmm. the original. I, I played through the original and it was fun um but i thought you know well hang on why is red riding hood there and why is this <laughs> yes and so I, I wanted to connect i wanted to see how it connected if it in fact it did um and to try to give you know if you're going into a land i would i wanted to sort of you know i want to feel like you know this land was important and it had a population and you should fight for it and all that kind of thing so um and and i was also starting to develop this background storyline because you know knowing all the other king's quest games i wanted to try to sort of how can i tie other stuff into it and and make it all feel like part of the same story which is very very rude of me (laughs) somebody else's property oh no but i think it's it's a good idea so so did you uh, so when you say that to make a part of the same universe do you mean like after having played the later king's quest games that you wanted to make this game fit in with that story or timeline or was it the previous one or the the um, the, the benchmark for me was was king's quest 6 that's i right. guess in my back of my head that was what i was trying to aim for because i think um have a great deal of respect for jane jensen right um, yeah as a, as a writer and and i think um you can really feel feel her voice in that game Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I sort of, you know, that was what I was heading for, and I think it was it was that game where they they introduced the idea of the Society of the Black Cloak. Um, and I yes, thought that was actually, really, I remember, it was, yes, it's just in one line, and I just thought, oh, that's got to do something with that. So yeah, yeah. So you met, you fit them in, and that's in the previous game. That's okay, because from what I, re- it's been a long time since I've played the King's Quest game, the, the originals, and and I do remember that while I enjoyed them, at least story wise. Uh, it did seem like just kind of random events, as you mentioned, you know, like Riding Hood and others. So it's, uh, so it's, I think it's a good idea to try to make them fit together and fit with the later games. Uh, so what, what were there any particular challenges that you faced when you were writing for King's Quest to the remake? Yeah, well, just before I say that, I was going to say when I was replaying through the for King's Quest 2, I just, I don't remember where it was. It could have been in the cave or in a castle i'm not sure but there was a black cloak hanging on something and i saw that and i went yes <laughs> i will use that um but no the challenge oh. the challenges were um the weird part about that writing that was it will sort of go also got written in out of order so i was mm. writing this and i was thinking oh what can i do with that what can i do with that what can i do with that and so i had to go back and restructure everything to make it sort of make sense um actually actually one Big challenge I remember was uh, writing Valanice because she has such a very small part in it, and so right. she had very limited chance to have a voice. So, sorry, so, who, no, who is Valanice? I hope I'm saying that right. Um, it's it's well, people it's, who haven't played Graham, the game. Graham's bride to be. It's right. His, yeah. his motivation for um, setting off you know, on that quest, but he doesn't. You don't really get to her until the very end. So I thought I've mm. only got just short part of the game where i have to try to get her 
character in there somehow. So that was really that was really tricky. Right, right, yeah. And and so so then so then um, with the with the gameplay, did you make any changes to that for King's Quest Two? Oh was, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> by the by the time by the time I'd finished, pretty much everything had changed. You had all the main feet. Like all the main things, like like I said, Little Red Riding Hood, she was in there, sort of. But yeah, every everything had pretty much. You you can't play through the original game and get much insight to how you can play the the remake. It's it's like a completely different. Yeah. It is a completely different game, really, <laughs> apart from the names and the places. That's it. Okay, yeah. so so no, because what what I you know remember playing through the, the King's Quest games. I think nowadays, uh, if you play especially the early King's Quest games for maybe modern gamers uh would you say that it might be difficult to get through them nowadays so if you're not used to playing these games or do you think that they were easy enough to play the originals um, i mean or i think it probably gets down to how thorough the player is i mean as right. any any adventure game veteran will know you just look at everything interact with everything you just do everything with everything click on every inventory object with everything so i right. guess is <laughs> that um yeah, I think I think we're we're in an age where you can you can get you know jack finders and casual games and that kind of thing. So that that's not what adventure games are. You have to really yeah. delve in and spend the time. So oh. that's that's probably that's probably the big obstacle, I guess. You know, people you know people who are time poor, and that's all of us. <laughs> <laughs> Finding the time to lose yourself in an adventure game that's probably the that's a big challenge. Oh, d- definitely. Because well, one thing that I really liked about the uh, King's Quest series is. That it was at least from what I can think of the first, well one of the very first adventure games was King's Quest One, but also it felt like you could go anywhere and do anything because a lot of adventure games, you know, there are these you know necessary but invisible paths where you just can't go down these paths yeah. uh, because you know you developers haven't been able to make them. But with this game, you could if you want to walk off a cliff, okay, you walk off a cliff. Yep. <laughs> and if you, you walk, you know, up down left right you go virtually anywhere so i think what the, the world that roberta williams created especially back then was absolutely amazing that it felt like you're living in this world um, actually when you think about it she sort of uh, kind of invented the open world years before exactly. we talked about open world oh exactly because nowadays like we have games like red dead redemption assassin's creed and that but this yes. you know back when the it's, well, early eighties, mid eighties, that this game was was made. It in that sense, it was um, it was you know sensational. Now I do appreciate that you took the time to you know do the writing for the, to improve upon the story aspects and to make it the games fit because uh, you know I think that can improve it as well. And um, and then I believe that you for King's Quest two and three as well that you you made changes to the graphics. I don't know how much you can talk about that, but you change so you made it with SVGA graphics, is that correct? Uh, I have, I, I know the graphics for those games were, I think, pretty much standard. No, not Super VGA, it was VGA. Then that's a really old memory that I even have a clue what you're talking about there. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just standard VGA. Okay. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, I'm not a technical person. No, me neither, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so um, uh, and I think I think we found out over the time uh, with different games at different resolutions that the, the lower the resolution, the faster you can churn out the game. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> that that always helps. And then something maybe <laughs> uh, did but the puzzles then in the games because I think one thing about the King's Quest games with some of them is that some of the puzzles, uh, as I think we were talking a little bit about the story with Red Riding Hood and that, is that sometimes it mightn't have made a 
you know, much sense as, you know, an other, but then again, it's an adventure game trope. But what, what did you change any of the puzzles or did you improve upon any of the puzzles in the remakes? All of it, pretty much. I mean, um, <laughs> the idea is that True Graham goes to this land. I always call it Kolima, but apparently it's Kalima. So there you go. And, and he gets his, he gets, a, he has to collect three keys to unlock doors to go into this weird world. And so I, I changed that around a little bit, but it's still three quest. It it, it works. Um, <laughs> I have repeated that later um, in other things. This is a funny thing. You change one thing and everything else changes around it because if you know if, the, if you change the way you use an inventory object here. Mm or you decide to use a different object instead, then it just has this snowball effect. It changes you. It just, everything uh, changed nearly King everything 3, in the game. Yeah, King Quest 3 was probably the most, uh, the one where I became particularly aware of that because the original game had uh, copy protection based around the spells that your character learns. Ah, and right, yes. First, so you had to, yeah, so, um, but, so we obviously didn't want to use that copy protection because that wouldn't have been a great thing to do um, it's been very fine. um so we changed all that so we changed all the spells which meant everything puzzle related around that had to change and that was just the beginning but um in terms of structure and story i uh, i thought king's quest 3 had a, a pretty strong story so i didn't feel like it needed to change too much um like it, it still you know, have a guy who's imprisoned and he has to escape a wizard and go off and find out who he is and get to his destination so that all oh, that that structure is still very much there and it's um it was more about finding augmenting the 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 important dramatic moments and making right. them bigger right yeah no i, I actually that's it's coming back to me because i played all, all the remakes at least well, a long time a long time ago i remember it was on my laptop at home down in, and in the country back with um the not as good internet <laughs> but it's, it's it's going back to me now uh some, some of the scenes and then there with uh, some of the king's quest games as well did you change any you know with the gameplay that some parts i think was there a part where you're going up maybe not oh i mentioned you're going off a cliff um i remember that uh so i found some of those sections quite difficult huh. <laughs> as i'm sure yeah. we all did uh, did you did you make the did you keep it as difficult or did you make the, some of these things or was that part of the? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. There was a bit in King's Quest Three where you have to one in the original you have to go up a mountain, uh, up and down yes, the mountain all the time. I think um, that's what I mean. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean. and I'm trying to remember if we just intelligently pathed it. I think that was called intelligent pathing or unintelligent pathing, depending on who's coding it. And. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm trying to remember if we had it so he could fall off or he just he just walked down and I cannot remember. Um, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of those of, of falling off everything. If you just get one, if you move your character one pixel the wrong way, um, right. I have a, a, nightmares about. Um, oh, I know, I know. Rosella in King's Quest Four going up this spiral staircase. <laughs> but because but based on where she was, she was like the perspective changed of of you know, up yes. down left right kind of thing. So, oh, that did my head in. Yeah, it's, I, you're bringing it back to me now vaguely. I, I think I blocked that part of out of my head, but <laughs> um, but but yeah, okay. And then I believe there was a voice acting. Was there in the three King's Quest games that you had voice acting? Yeah, yeah. In uh, yes. in all three of those games, we had voice acting. Um, we had um, Josh Mandel, who did the voice of King Graham in oh. all three. In all three, which was lovely for him to take part. He's always he's been very supportive and, and gracious uh, around fan games. 
No, that's great. And for those who don't, who might not know who he is, so who is Josh Mandel? Well, he was he was an employee of of Sierra. I cannot remember. I don't know if he was a was he a programmer. You, did, do you happen to remember what his job uh, description was? Did, I don't know. No. I, I know uh, he, he did, he did for... the voice. He did some voice acting as well. But, but he wasn't the voice for Graham in the later games, was he? Or was, am uh, I just completely? Yeah, he, he was. He, he was uh, the voice of. Uh, in officially, was the voice of Graham. So it was really great to get him. Yeah. Um, to get him back. To get him. Working, working with us. That was good. Um, also, um, in uh, in King Quest Two, there was a, a little um, Easter egg scene where Cedric the Owl from King Quest Five pops back, and we got the voice actor who did did his wow. voice to come back and do one or two lines. So that well, was awesome. That, that's great because, as you mentioned, when you were writing, you wanted to make the the games fit with later games. So now you've got the, the original voice actors, which is <laughs> yeah, no, that that was great. And um, yeah, and the and in King's Quest Three, the uh, the guy did um, I thought he did a really good job of of playing um, a character who would appear in King's Quest Six. If you haven't, I won't spoil King's Quest Three if you haven't played it. Oh, I've got to replay these now. That because it's a long, long time since I played. I remember I really enjoyed them. So, but now that you're mentioning, it's like no, I've got to really find these Easter eggs now. <laughs> And how many people worked on on the games? More or less, do you know? Like, did the did the team, did the studio, did more employees work for the company as you as you went along, or was it the same amount of yeah, people? Yeah. So, if you imagine a sprawling bunker with hundreds and hundreds of rooms and thousands of people working in it, that's not us. Uh, we're just <laughs> like groups. We were a group of um, four or five, usually core members. Um, you know, writer, programmer, artist. Composer, maybe, maybe, maybe an animator. Um, that was that was about it for a lot, for a lot of that for the, a lot of the early days. Uh, and did you work remotely as well? Uh, yeah, we we're all, all all separate from each other. I had the advantage of living one state away from oh, a nine-hour drive from where Chris Warren <laughs> lives, um, and so I would make an annual pilgrimage over over <laughs> there um, and stay for a few days, and we would and and that. That was handy, you know. Get, um, yeah. It's quite motivational to be in the same space, and and on some of those occasions, Brittany would fly in from the US, and and the three oh. of us would be able to uh, be together and 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 work and work together and, and motivate each other. So that was that was uh, quite special times, actually. Hmm. Well, wow, that was very 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 dedicated. Then uh, you guys were. Uh, because it, this was a fan remake, and obviously you didn't make any money from it because it's King's Quest. So the fact that you uh-uh. went uh, above and beyond, you know, like flying. Well, you going on a nine-hour drive in Brittany, flying from the U.S. to Australia, <laughs> is it's pretty. It's great to see. It's pretty incredible, and I think we can definitely see the results of the game, the three games, uh, which got very positive uh, reception. Would you say to the three games from you know? I think I think so, and I mean, I, um, we like to think that we did our bit to get people interested in adventure games again. I'm sure there were lots of other factors involved as well, but right. um, just just to keep, just to do our bit to keep the whole thing on life support, <laughs> at least. No, right, and that, was there from any of their like really avid Sierra fans or King's Quest fans, were, were, there, were there anyone who said, no, you shouldn't touch these games, you shouldn't remake these games, we should leave them as it is, or were, there, were people like, yes, no, definitely update them, you know, I want to... Play, you know, play want more people to find out about them, or you know, before they released. 
I find I find free is a very good uh, price <laughs> and it's very attractive. Um, and yeah, people weren't complaining about that. No, <laughs> no, that that's a good point. <laughs> no, because they're definitely, from what I remember, you know, very professional. I think if it wasn't King's Quest, you know, I'd definitely you know be happy to pay for them because they are that good. Like the amount of work that you guys went to, um, it's pretty remarkable that they're that they are free. But, but yeah, and then very briefly, I know you didn't work on this game yourself, but you also remade Quest for Glory 2, uh, correct? That they did. I was just going to say, but by previous point, that Chris, Brittany, and I do share one attribute uh, in common as a real perfectionist. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so it probably wasn't our. Um, we might not have been consciously trying to make it professional, but we just can't help but edit and edit and edit and edit and edit until <laughs> until we're happy with it, which is never. Um, so oh, we just I have know. to take we, uh, my my work. I have to have it taken away from me, saying, "No, Daniel, you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to write anything else. That's it. You're done." <laughs> um, that's that's when that's when I stop um, because otherwise I I wouldn't. Um, but yes, AGDI uh, do uh, Quest for Glory two. That was Chris's um, Chris Warren's passion project. It had nothing to do with me, um, but that was that was his pride and joy to get that one done and out. I believe he did communicate with the Coles, um, and they mm. and they gave him the blessing to do it. And there's even a sequence, I believe, in that game where they weren't able to implement in the original oh. that we were able to implement in, in that game. Um, something about a, a Saurus, whatever that ride was you get around on, there's a, a repair shop. <laughs> there was um, some, little, some little feature in there that, uh, that it didn't, didn't end up in the original game that we got to put in there. So that was nice. Oh, that's nice. So it's kind of like director's cut, even though directors didn't remake yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. But, and that, uh, yeah, Chris, Chris nice. and Brittany got to meet meet the Coles, and so it was, oh, that was lovely. Cool. I'm very, I'm very jealous. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's great, you know. That's uh, that's one of the things I love about the adventure genre, at least from the people you know in who used to work for you know, Sierra and Lucasarts, that they also seem like really nice people, and that they're hmm. really supportive of the fans as well in these type of projects. Because I imagine for the Coles, the you know, a lot of people might be like, no, this is our game, this is our baby. You know, don't touch it. But then they were like, yeah, go ahead and actually add all this stuff that we wanted to. They were very nice to allow you guys, Chris, to to make Quest for Glory 2, which I believe was a success as well that people really liked as well overall that uh, from what I've seen. Okay, so that, yeah. was a, that was a one-to-one game remake, um, except for that bit I mentioned earlier. Um, so that was, I think that was just a, a bit that was very close to what they did with King Quest 1. Just to upgrade the graphics and and make it consistent with Quest for Glory One, right? And was it the official remake and Quest for Glory Three? So you can sort of play through them all and get from one to four, and they will kind of look the same. Right. Yeah, and the the gameplay I think was they made a point and click because uh, they didn't officially remake Quest for Glory Two because I don't think the remake of Quest for Glory One is a success or something. So there was no type parser which. You know, I mean, as much as I enjoy type parser, it's also good to point and click. And, you know, you're not <laughs> Anything which saves control. time now is good, isn't it? Exactly, because as we get older and we have families and jobs, it's like, oh, no, I don't want to fight the controls. I don't want to think, you know, what to what to type. So that's that's good. Okay, so we can start talking about Al Emo then. I hope I'm getting the, that name right. Uh, Alamo. Think of it like the, yeah, the Alamo, yeah. I um, just got that now. <laughs> I had to have it explained to me too, don't worry. T- 10 years later, yeah, <laughs> or even more, t- 12, 13 years. Well, uh, well so, so what's, uh, if you could tell us to start off with, what is uh, Alamo about then? What is, what's the setting? What's the, what's the plot? So, 
Yeah, so it is set in the mythical western town of Anazira, which is uh, Arizona spelled mm-hmm. backwards. This <laughs> is um, Brittany Brimhall's. Uh, this was Brittany Brimhall's uh, child project. Uh, her, her baby that she, that she conceived. So the, so the the conception of it and the creation of it was is absolutely hers. And it is loosely based around the very real legend, real, real legend, real. Yeah, you can look it up uh, of the Lost okay. Dutchman's Mind, uh, Lost Dutchman's Mine. Um, uh, yeah. So there's, there's there's this element of of truth in legend about that. Right. And but uh, the re- but the rest of it um, is is completely fictitious. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so basically, um, yeah, Brittany and Chris has broke down the story, and it was funny. Um, I found out about it because they um decided to have a friend of theirs drive from uh, the state where Chris lives in to the state where I live in, and we sat down at McDonald's, and they said, "Hey, you wanna you wanna write this for us? You know, fill in all the gaps. We've got a got a basic storyline, but we don't want to write this. You can do it." And I'm munching on a burger going yep okay sure <laughs> and then they got in the car and they drove off for you know another eight or nine hours <laughs> that was a funny day um <laughs> well, <I> thought... <laughs> very sorry for their driver <laughs> yeah because in ireland i think you can drive around ireland in less time than it takes to get from one state in australia to the other <laughs> not surprising at all yeah <laughs> Yeah, cause for, for for us, like a two-hour drive like from say from Dublin to Belfast is about two hours, and for us, for me, it's like, oh, it's so long. Oh my god, two hours, or even an hour forty minutes, an hour and a half. Oh my god, that's so long in the car. What will I do? <laughs> well, you think you think living in a large state would actually help your perception, but no, people locally, if you have to drive more than twenty minutes, that's too far. So it's it, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you live in the country. Okay, and is, and is there like public transport? And sorry, now we're getting off topic, Lou. But is there a public oh, transport? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Or keep it in. I think, uh, for, my, for my curiosity, like I've never been to Australia, but is there public transport in? Like, in, in public transport in Ireland is not good, but we have some public transport. Uh, if you are living in Melbourne or Sydney, mm-hmm. I would say it's it's very decent. If you're living where I am in South Australia, it's 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 less decent. Okay. I'm employed by the car. government. I don't want to say too much, but I think I think I've heard enough. <laughs> oh, okay. So, well, as as we were saying, this guy who drove nine hours to ask you to write, he said yes, and then he went back nine hours later. That's how you got involved in this game, then. Yes, um, and uh, it, was, it was it was a strange process because I was working from someone else's story, mm. but as I was writing, I was adding bits of my own. Like, like I did with King Quest, um, so that that wasn't so different. But uh, by the end of it, um, it got it was very tricky to separate the original ideas from my ideas. They kind of merged in and and blurred in. Um, I like I had uh, I suppose it's a little bit unique in that uh, you've got the narrator character yes. and you've got the main <laughs> character. And I decided, for better or worse, 
that the narrator just didn't like the main character. He didn't want to narrate <laughs> for the main character. Um, so they, they bicker <laughs> during the game. There's a particularly compromising situation that Al gets into in about the middle of the game, and, and the narrator decides to go off for, for his halftime break. <laughs> and, then, um, and then later, towards the end of the game, Al, uh, with Lord of the Rings still fresh in my mind, had Al do a kind of a Gollum-esque kind of get out of my head, I don't need you anymore, and dumps the narrator for the rest of the game. Okay, that's certainly very rich. I don't know of any other. I mean, I know Space Quest they had the narrator uh, that is similar, but I don't think the narrator left. <laughs> I had the narrator come back in the credits. Uh, okay, um, that was just a bit of fun. Um, but again, I, I think at that point also I, I was having a bit of a debate with myself as to which is a better option of having a narrator in an adventure game or having the main character narrated itself. Mm. or him or herself um, and I think at that point I was thinking it would just be more effective and you're more you're more immer- uh, immersed in the story if you've got the main character doing it themselves but I can see the advantage for both whichever way you right. want to go right yeah no, I think it's going to be good to make the narrator uh, you know like a character as well in the, in yeah. the story or the game that it's not just and we're not, we're not, because sometimes when I hear narration, and if it's not the main character, and I'm thinking, okay, who is this wireless saying? Like, in the, well, in the first Gabriel Knight game, a game that I loved with, I think, was it Virginia King, or who, I forget the name, who, or the, oh, I probably got the name wrong, but the, the, the narrator for the original Gabriel Knight game, which was, you know, it was, it was good. It, it helped at the scene, but I kept thinking, what, why? Why do I hear this? Why? <laughs> but but you know, there's a lot think, of fourth wall breaking. I seem to remember, yeah, tons and tons of that, yeah. Right, yeah, and I suppose that it helped. Would you say that it helps if it's a comedy that you can get away with more stuff like uh, breaking the fourth wall compared to say if it's a more serious game? Or do you I think, think it matters? I think the only. I'm trying to think if it was a horror game, uh, the only way you could break the fourth wall. Is if there was you were the player and you were watching the main character because that would be creepy, right? And, yeah. and the character was aware that you were be, they were being watched and that was creeping them out or something, you know? It, uh, that that could that could work maybe I don't know. Um, I do remember I'm um, feeling um, a bit of pressure when I was writing that because uh, it was um, the the only other Western comedy I had in my head was Freddie Farkas Frontier Pharmacist. Right, that's and what I was going to ask. Yeah, um, by Alamo, and I suppose a little bit of Leisure Suit Larry as well. But Chris and Brittany had not played that particular game, so I was, I was the one going, "Ah, oh, okay. I don't, I don't want this game to be like that. Um, I want it to be as good as that, but I don't want it to be a copy." So that was, yeah, having right. having only having only one, <laughs> only one <laughs> other game in my head that was in that in that zone. I thought, yeah, got to be, yeah, got to be careful. right. Yeah, because the set to me is quite unique. I don't know of any other. Or many other adventure games that have a Wild West setting. You mentioned Freddy Farkas, and I know I think there is a Spanish game, a Fenny, or not maybe not Spanish, but it's a Fennymore Fillmore, that uh, is an also a comedy adventure game set in the Wild West. And then it's this game, Alamo. But I don't know of any others um, that of any other games that have a Wild West setting. So even just the setting itself is unique, from what I can see. And do, do, do you know what, if there are any inspiration for the characters or for, for the game, apart from, you know, Freddy Farkas? Uh, do you know why Brittany decided to make a comedy Western adventure? 
Uh, she was uh, doing a big parody on what she knew. Um, I think she was finding ways to to send up that which she uh, knows so well. I think that nice. was that was a lot of it. So it, I, I, that was another that was another challenge for me because I'm I was very aware that I was writing a game set in a fictitious version of the U.S. but still the U.S. Um, and uh, and you know and the Western old Western cultures. Um, quite you know everyone in the u.s knows that really well and i'm the australian trying to write <laughs> for this so qualifications weren't great <laughs> um, so i just i just had to sort of trust that i could pull it off somehow <laughs> I'm, I'm just actually thinking it would be amazing if you had made alamo australian and if you had him speaking like with Australian English and, you know, just, just there, you know, I think that, that would have been amazing. <laughs> but were you ever tempted to have him say, you know, apologies in advance, but say like, good day, mate, or, you know, whatever, you know, things that you say in Australia, just, well, just for know, a laugh. I, I, tell you what, I, I do like to get Australian things in the games that we do. It was in King's Quest 2, I put a, there was a, uh, I don't remember what his original accent was, but was, he, he basically a con man. So his accent as presented was fake. And there's one point where he drops the accent and he sounds Australian. Um, and, in, <laughs> and in Alamo, it was, um, uh, there was a wombat. You had to use that as part of a puzzle. It was okay. just there. I just wanted a wombat in the game. Sure, a, why someone's not? Pet, someone's pet wombat, why not? Um, and it was, a, you know, he can do that in a parody, um, I think. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I, I try to put uh, Australia and in, in in majors. I did a I put a magpie and a South Australian sand crab, and you know just um, so just yeah, it's, it's like saying hey, you know, come come visit us. We're cool. You know, <laughs> quiet quiet little flag waving. Yeah, good. No, because I don't know. Speaking of unique settings, I don't know of any other games that are set in in Australia. So even that's good, you know that that might be next uh, next game. You never know. Write write a game set in Australia. That you know, I'd be very interested in that anyway. And, you know, uh, it's, it's funny. I remember remember a long time ago, I was having a chat to a friend and saying, "Why?" You know, he was trying to explain why he doesn't like watching Australian films. And he goes, "I watch films for escapism." <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's possibly why we don't have Australian games because you know. None of us would buy them, but yeah, maybe, maybe everyone else would. That's, that's a good point. Yeah, that's that's something to consider. At least I feel the same about you know Ireland. If I have like it was a film set, maybe in Ireland or a fantasy, I'd be like, yeah, I'd probably go for the fantasy because I live in Ireland. You know, <laughs> so I, I I can understand. But for me, if it's a you know game set in Australia, I'd be like, oh, that's for me, it's very different, and I'd be very curious. But also about the game Alamo, now, from what I saw, at least from the trailer and from what little I saw of the game, well, not little I saw more of it, but uh, the, the character Alamo that he's, you know, he, he wants to be a womanizer, but he isn't, at least from what I see. Was he in any way inspired by Leisure Suit Larry, or is that yep. just a coincidence? Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say, yeah, no, I'm the, I think Freddie Farkas and Leisure Suit Larry were the two, were the two influences I had. So Alo, um, Aldo. Was was a big influence, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, I think straight off the bat. I mean, that was that was part of the premise that I was handed from Brittany Chris. Yeah, he was he was there looking for love. Oh, in fact, at the beginning, um, he's actually there to not to stay in the town. He travels by train to this town and which is in the middle of nowhere, and and to right. meet a male or a bride. And that 
does not work out. She thinks he's really rich and realizes he's not, and off she goes. And so he's sort of stuck there, and there's not going to be another train for an indeterminate amount of time. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> he might as well just explore and, and oh, wait, has he just met the girl that could be the girl of his dreams? Who knows? <laughs> no. Sounds familiar? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's anywhere near as um, uh, womanizing as as Lady Sweet Larry. He's a bit hopeless. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I was I was going to say uh, without all the all the innuendo, but there is a there is a hospitality house in the game. It's a western town, I imagine. Yeah, you can work out what that means. Um, <laughs> and I yeah, I may have gone to town, pun intended, uh, on on all those <laughs> on all those innuendos. So yeah, if there's any any part of it which is going to make me cringe, it'll probably be that that part. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, but that, so the, the, the humour in the game was that you know taking inspiration from Leaders of Starry Freddy Farkas, or did you add in your own sense of humour as well, your your own bits and pieces? Gee, uh, honestly, to... yeah, sorry, I was going to say um, um, there's a massive number of hotspots in every game, uh, mm-hmm. in every screen. Um, there's so many desert screens, um, so you, there's lots of cactuses and bushes and sky and clouds and path and rocks, red rocks. Um, is a surefire way of sending yourself insane if you're trying to write a different descriptor, look, interact, talk with all these different hotspots that are the same, essentially. Um, I ended up turning them into musicals in the end. That's just <laughs> to give you an indication how 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 insane I, I became uh, writing those. Um, um, so the humour, <laughs> the humour's um, varied. Let's just say that. Okay, no, I'm, I'm very curious now. I mean, if I, I have it on my, you know, wish list. I've had it on my wish list for the last 10 years. I mean, too. But now I'm really curious. So you had a different description for every hotspot? I know looking back, I really didn't need to. I could have, well, just, I just could have had the same Red Rock description <laughs> and just copy and pasted it everywhere. And it would have been fun. No one would have cared. But no, I... I Again, it's that perfectionism coming out. No, yes, exactly. And again, that it's you going above and beyond to, <laughs> to to make the game, you know, more unique. That's that's a that's a great. And then you talked, you mentioned the location. So, was there a different location? So you mentioned a lot of desert and the hospitality house, shall we say? And yeah, so... <laughs> you've got you've got different locations in the town, of course. There's the mine. Which mm-hmm. features heavily at the end of the game. Um, there's oh, you know, your natural features. Like, caverns and mm-hmm. um, you know i'm trying to remember it's been a while i haven't seen the game for a long time um yeah and i just put every uh, an oasis uh, every every trope we could think of we shoved in there pretty much um, right yeah. uh, there's, there's a man with no name appear you know clint Eastwood's character <laughs> at some point <laughs> we just happened to go uh, to the town don't, don't, don't recall uh <laughs> and or a horse with no name no <laughs> and then the the graphics, so for what you remember, so for, again, people might not have played it. So what can you tell us about the graphics? What type of graphics does the game have? That, yeah, that was a higher resolution for, for us. Um, that was, and that's, I think it took us a couple of years as opposed to a year. It, it, it still, we still got out pretty quickly, all, all things considered, <laughs> compared to majors. Um, uh, but it was a much higher resolution, and that all the characters were 3D rendered, okay. which gives it a different look. But whereas the, with the backgrounds were still... 2D, but yeah, they're beautiful. I mean, the art, the art is just stunning. In, yes, in yes. Um, Brittany is an incredibly talented artist. And I remember her doing working, like when during one of her visits over to Australia, just watching her do the, you know, just spending hours 
just doing wood textures, getting that perfect, uh, you know, in in um, Photoshop or whatever shoes you think. Yeah, you see you see the amount of time that people put into things, and you don't you don't you don't realize it just as a player. No, you don't. I mean, I can I can see that uh, the graphics do look really really nice, but from what you're saying, you don't realize just how much time it takes. So then, uh, the the gameplay is typical point and click, I imagine. It is a very typical point and click adventure okay. game. So it's all the all the all the uh, things that go along with that, all the you know, inventory based puzzle. Make sure you look at everything. Um, <laughs> I was going to think probably the. The, the the challenge I remember from making the game was there was a bit where we needed an extra puzzle at one point, but it was quite late in development because Chris was doing Al's voice at that point. I could have extra Al lines, but that was it. I couldn't have any other lines from any other character. I couldn't use any other other inventory. That was that was it was tricky. It was basically saying, okay, make a new puzzle, no assets, go. <laughs> okay, so so see that the challenge. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> and uh, speaking of voice actor, you said uh, uh, Chris, did he play the voice of Al- Alamo? He did. He eventually did. When we re-released it later, um, he did get someone else to change the voice. I can I can do more or less the voice. I'm not saying I would have done as good a job, but we can, we can sort of do the same voices um, in the, in this case. Like, like hey, I'm Al, Al-, Al- Alamo. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. It was probably... probably I think he realized over time that uh, he needed to get someone else just to tone that down a little bit. <laughs> um, I don't know what his thinking was with changing it, but yeah, we, got, we completely re- got that character revoiced. Damn it, the narrator, I believe. Was it someone called, was it Josh Bell who was the narrator? Yes, and he's brilliant. As, as, much, as much as I, um, I, I don't know whether narrators are better than uh, third-person narrators are better, but I think... Um, yeah, no, I think he did a fantastic job. Just listening, just the game is actually worth playing. Just listening to his narration, it's, it's brilliant. Yes, because I believe he did other adventure games. I can't remember off the top of my head which games, but I, I definitely heard of him before, and I thought, oh, I know this. Guy. Well, I know this guy's work. Yeah. Um, so, so Boy, yeah, can't forget. Exactly. And uh, and then, what are there any action scenes in in the game, or is you know, can you so like with maybe some previous Sierra games um uh, yeah. yes I think there is well actually I don't know, actually yeah I've got a feeling there's a there's kind of a tense actiony type be in the right place at the right time puzzle towards the end because of what you find in the lost Dutchman's mine it's uh you're not alone <laughs> um and you have to you know so there's a that there's that as a time sort of situation um and there's another a little mini game that we put in which is a bit basically whack-a-mole <laughs> Okay, <laughs> um, which is which is a bit a bit funny and bit silly. Um, yeah, you, okay. tr- you try to change try to change things up when you're designing puzzles. So it's like um, there's one point you have to make make a a beverage from the bar. So you have to get the right combination to make the right cocktail or whatever. So you just try to try to find ways to without destroying your budget or anything. You, you know, to <laughs> adding keep new it interesting. <laughs> On the Steam page, it mentions that there are two hours of original music by Tom and Diane Lewin, Lewandowski. Apologies Lewandowski. for um, yeah. yeah, no, they did a they did a lovely job on that. It was um, they did um, also the music for our King's Quest remakes, King's Quest Two and King's Quest Three. Oh, okay. So, um, they nailed all of those. They did a fantastic job. Well, and two two um, hours as well is for me sounds like a long time. Oh, <laughs> of original music. It's, it's a be- beautiful. I think I think we actually released the 
well, we must have because I've got a copy um, of the soundtrack on uh, on uh, on CD. So that was yeah. I think in, I can get a digital download for that. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Straight straight away when you get to the intro, the opening menu scene, you'd get the. <laughs> you get that for free. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, so it's just it, it hooks you in straight away with the music. Right. So you know that this is a western. We know now yeah. where we are. Just in case you had any doubt at all. <laughs> in what was it, Anazira? <laughs> Anazira, that's right. That's right. Uh, and how long did it take you to make the game? You mentioned that it took a few years to to make or to at least get the the graphics. I think we actually managed to do it in a couple of years. I think we, I think yeah, it was, it was, it wasn't a, um, it felt like a long time for us at the time, but looking back, that was actually a fairly quick thing. The animation was probably the the biggest hurdle in the in development because we had different animators doing different things, hoping that they would all sort of look to good together in the same game with different people doing different things. But yeah, um, and and getting them to look like they belonged in there with this 2D background and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, uh, but really, really happy with the way Al turned out and the way he was animated. So he did, he's got quite a nice personality just walking along and standing around and all the idle animation stuff. Yeah, no, that that's definitely true, especially when you guys were working remotely um, as well for, for this game and it, it just took a couple of years. Are there any plans for, for a sequel or for any other games set in this universe by any chance oh. or are you moving on? I, I had an idea. I think I wrote a, ba- a really basic outline for the second game. It was going. I can I say? I don't say. I don't tell you what, if there's a huge demand for an Alamo two, and it came out in two thousand and six. So wow. <laughs> haven't, haven't heard the demand. Um, so <laughs> let's 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 just say there isn't one. And I'll say that I would have I would have said it in a in in New York, spelt oh. Y A W K. Yeah, I like doing derivative things and I would have had like you know, gangster mafia type situation that was that was kind of where I was going with it that sounds interesting yeah it was <laughs> but yes it was interesting and players you didn't want one so oh. well look <laughs> you, you never know maybe with the re-release and may, maybe people will now go back to it and go yeah we really want yeah, a sequel right. to this you never know that's right yes I can I can chain myself to a desk for another two years that's okay <laughs> as long as you get the game out that's <laughs> that's that's what matters <laughs> okay now then the la- the latest game you released which was back in January 2019 just a few months ago from recording this interview was Mage's Initiation Reign of the Elements I think mm-hmm. I got that right yeah <laughs> very long <laughs> title um, yeah sorry because I, I, I began to doubt I was like Reign of the what is this correct <laughs> No, no, you got it. You got it right. I think it was originally just Mage's Initiation, and someone thought it was cool if we added that that bit at the end as well. So, <laughs> oh well, that's yeah. Oh no, I think um, it's I guess nice. So, so again, for people who haven't played or know about it, uh, what's the what's the setup for this game? Basically, I, I wrote my own blurb, and it's not even off the website. So, I'll give you an exclusive blurb um, oh. in the town of Viganova. Which is a pun. Uh, Dark is a 16-year-old would-be mage. After 10 years of study, the day of his initiation has come. He must pass three trials and in the process uncover a plot to endanger the lives of everyone he knows. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, basically, a little coming of age story of this young boy. He's is going to set out and achieve the seemingly impossible and earn his stripes. Basically. Okay. So I was going. What I was going to say about that. I, was gonna, I should say I've got more lucid memories of this game um, now, <laughs> thanks to the um, Space Quest historian. Uh, you can find him on YouTube, uh, Trolls Climate, who's doing a um, a playthrough. And it's uh, about three quarters of the way through, I think, at this point, thereabouts. Okay, I'll, I'll try uh, and add, so, a, add a link if I can find it. <laughs> so yeah, so thanks thanks to that, I've got got the game in my head, so I can actually talk about it, which is handy. I can say, say it's been over ten years in development. Um, we wow. had a Kickstarter, a very successful Kickstarter in 2013, which was which is hugely humbling and gratifying. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we we th- uh, we were very grateful for everyone who who backed the game and patient um, with us for, for for taking as long as we did. It's been um, as I mentioned earlier, it was, we we don't operate with a very large core team. Um, it's mainly Chris who does a lot of the heavy lifting, uh, particularly programming wise. And just to give an example, lip syncing towards the end took him many many months to do. So he's um, yeah, so he's got has a huge amount on his uh, on his plate to get everything sorted and 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 ready to go. <laughs> that's that's one of the main reasons why it takes so long. <laughs> yeah, get, I can imagine a game like that out. So so shout out to Chris first. Absolutely <laughs> yes, he's the hero of majors behind the scenes, and <laughs> long and long with everyone else in the exactly, credits. Exactly, and oh, everyone I'm else. <laughs> just to make it clear, everyone else in the credits as well. You're all heroes. You're yes, <laughs> yes, yes, exactly right. We could not, literally, could not have done this without you. That's exactly right. Yes, if it was just me, you'd just be reading it off a document. <laughs> That's not that exciting. <laughs> I know, but I'm, I'm sure they, they couldn't make it without you either, who wrote the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, it would look nice. Yeah, but then no story, so <laughs> you just, just wander through the just wander through the world and make up your own story. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So the story is the the gameplay is yeah a little bit like King's Quest Two in the sense you know you've got three trials to accomplish. Mm. They're all based around an element. The whole thing is based around the idea of elements: earth, air, fire, water. And you choose your your class early on in the game. Um. And we the hope is that it has some replay replayability um, because you know but depending on what the class you have is um, that you have uh, you can uh, the combat's going to feel very different obviously and there's a, a side quest for each class that's unique to each class and there's an optional quest that you could potentially miss that allows you to go a little bit deeper into the into the story uh, into the main storyline. Um, probably the most the most um, significant thing for adventure game uh, aficionados is that there's no grinding at all. Mm-hmm. Um, level up as you solve puzzles and advance the story. That takes care of that for you. You don't have to go out and kill a billion things to make yourself <laughs> better. It might make you feel better, but it all might right. work your character. Uh, <laughs> we've got multiple interface options. So if you like the old uh, traditional Sierra drop-down uh, menu, it will you can select that, uh, or you can go for more of a verb icon type thing uh, there's another one as well i'm very partial to the sierra drop down they worked out a really good system with that and i think it, it works so why 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 improve on perfection you can't can you um <laughs> each trial has a different tone so you got more of a tense situation uh, the next trial is um investigative the third trial is a little bit goofy and by and by that point you realize there's something else going on that okay, shouldn't so be going on something over that as 
Okay, so something overall to tie all these things together. Yes. Yeah, okay. A, a, certain, a certain point without spoiling it where you realize, <laughs> oh, that's not right. <laughs> and then you'll realize there's, there's something that you need to deal with and there's something nefarious afoot. You better get on to fixing as soon as you get your trials out of the way, of course, because, you know, you've got to prioritize. <laughs> so prioritize the trials or saving the world. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So what I didn't mention, obviously, this is an adventure RPG hybrid, um, and it's very much got one foot in Quest for Glory, mm-hmm. um, another foot in King's Quest, a toe in Harry Potter, a finger in some other stuff that I've written but never got pushed. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's, a few, there's a few different things I threw in there. but So it seems to me, again, like your own spin on things. You know, you mentioned that similar to you know, King's Quest 2, the remake, and a bit of Quest for Glory and Harry Potter and different things. Now, you mentioned that it's an RPG hybrid as well, but that there are no stats, which I think uh, a lot of us can, can agree that, uh, that that's good. Is there... Oh, there, are, there, are, there are stats, sorry. I well, should, yeah, sorry, I sorry. Um, that. Yeah, you so you can, can talk a, more about uh, that if you want, yeah. Yeah, um, there's a thing called a conductor, which is basically kind of, you, you're, it's like a knuckle duster, but it's like, it operates like a wand, um, and you can equip it with up to two gems. You can swap those out at any time, and it will just boost various stats. And, and some are better than others, obviously. But um, other than that, it, it's it's pretty lenient. I, I, th- I guess if you have your combat difficulty level all the way up, how you configure your character a little bit um, is going to play into it a lot more. If you've got it, if you've got the combat virtually turned off, or as off as it can be, um, it's not really going to make a much difference at all. And you can pretty much just think of it as an adventure game. Yeah. Okay, so you can play it as, you know, more of an adventure or more of an RPG then, depending on with, what you choose with combat and that. Yeah, I think, and I okay. think that would give. I guess that's another aspect to make it more replayable as well. You can get that's quite a different yeah. experience. Mm. Okay, so for people like me who maybe don't like so much combat, we can still play this game uh, as an adventure game, more or less. Absolutely, you can wander right. through the forest. You can wander through the wastelands. Nothing will happen. You'll be fine. <laughs> well, that's kind of like adventure games, you know. <laughs> okay, so maybe a little bit of combat just to keep things interesting. But <laughs> Can we change during the game? Can we change uh, combat difficulty or is it set uh, from the beginning? I believe you can change it at any point. Okay, that's that's, that's my understanding. Oh, yeah. Um, so if I if I'm wrong, please someone try that and and tell me. <laughs> tell someone else, actually. <laughs> and then you mentioned uh, to different trials and different sort of different type of locations, correct? That they're very they're yeah, varied so the, in the game. So the first the first trial is set on an island um, in a palace, uh, and it's got a, a character in there that's been imprisoned um, and is. Perhaps somewhat cruelly used over the many centuries that she's been in there as um, as as a place where initiates go to achieve a, an objective to acquire something or mm-hmm. do something in there, and she and she's getting quite sick of that, both being a prisoner and also having initiates rock up asking her for stuff. Um, <laughs> so that that may not work out too well for Dark. Uh, in the second trial, he's got to head into the mountains and, and negotiate his way to getting where he needs to go. But it's a little bit it's a it's a little bit uh, of a diplomatic thing he's got to go through uh, because he's got um, uh, you've got these what these 
winged guardians that look over watch over the town but they're not very happy with where things are going at the moment so he's, a, he's he starts off on the wrong foot with them so he has to, has to work his way around that and then in the in the forest uh, section in the third part uh, he's got to he's got to brave a, a not very pleasant group of red cap goblins red caps are actually a thing you can you can look you can look that up i wasn't aware oh. of that once um okay. so basically they're, they're caps. They're red because they dye their hat caps in the in the blood of the things that they kill, uh, which is very pleasant. Um, okay. <laughs> so he has to he has to survive that um, situation. And by and uh, I can't really talk about anything else because it really yeah, sure, don't want to spoil game. it. I don't want to spoil it. <laughs> but so the there's ending other of stuff the game. going on at the same time. Sure, yeah, no, that sounds very, very, very. So then the puzzles are very depending on the locations and the trials then as well, would you say? Yeah, I have, I have to admit, I have this habit of top-loading the design of the game. So it's like, you've got lots of puzzles to do before you get going with that first trial. You've got, you basically, your, your objective is to figure out how to get across to the island to start mm. off with. And then once you're there, hang on, it, you can't see the place. It's invisible. Why, you know, and you have to figure out a way to, you know, Dispel that, or we turn back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, first try oh, over. To be an issue. Go back to bed. Um, first try over. Nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing is, um, with mages, is the puzzles. There, there's the spells are used in two very different ways. You've got, uh, um, you got spells that operate like inventory, that you can mm. use in in adventure game style. So you know, as part of the solutions. Uh, and you've got your combat stuff. There are a number of puzzles that will play out differently depending on what class of mage you are. So a really simple example is uh, it right at the beginning, you have to get your first set of spells from this sphere of knowledge, and you have to and it ask, and it gives you a little cryptic hint to go and find something for it, and what it asks for will be different depending on your class. Uh, there's another, there's a rope hanging off a tree somewhere else, and each mage will have a different way of getting that, that oh. rope down. Uh, originally, the idea was to have very few hotspots and to have Dark have a very different response to everything, depending on his class type. It would alter his personality a little bit, but because there are quite a number of hotspots in each screen, there's still some of that there. Uh, so the Fire Mage will interact with a fireplace very differently to a Water Mage, and yeah, and so on. So, um, so I tried to try to cater it a little bit depending on what kind of mage you are what sort of responses dark would give where relevant just to try to again add to the replayability sure yeah and do you, do you have to make any choices in the game because i know that that seems to be a big thing with uh, with adventure games to add to replayability yeah there are there are choices at specific points each trial has a, has a specific um a choice that you have to make um and the ending the final act has I think the ending kind of plays out. Yeah, well, no, it, it plays out three different ways depending on on what you do and don't do in that final act. So um, you could cause the deaths of a couple of companions if you're not careful. Oh, okay. So it, it, it had a, a somber ending actually if you if it goes that way. Okay, so it could cause the death of companions or save them maybe or. Yeah, so you just yeah. Well, if you if you know someone's in trouble and you don't bother to help them, then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I remember. The, well, it depends if they're, if they're teachers. Maybe I remember you gave me homework. Yeah, no, I'm not going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's um, terrible. 
there's, some, there's some variables there. Oh, and there is one that I remember in the second trial, if you solve a puzzle a particular way or more of aggressively, then um, it prevents you from playing out an optional quest later. So there's there's that kind of you can lock you can lock yourself out of some content if you're not if you're not careful. <laughs> oh right, okay. So But you are given fair warning, I will say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's not like it'll appear like without warning. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Yeah, we try you try and put in as many barks as you can without being too <laughs> intrusive to let the player know what they kinda of should be doing now and that sort of thing but yeah it's a balancing act you, you do do want people to think but at the same time you don't want them to get frustrated of course that reminds me of uh of, of a new game released last year by francisco gonzalez lamplight city which i believe is, is similar that depending on the line of questioning uh you can that the character will then stop talking to you and then you can't go down a particular path but then your partner who's also the narrator he then asks, are you sure you want to ask this? Are you really sure <laughs> you want to ask this? <laughs> so, oh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you're just thinking there's, um, there's these wasps in, in mages where if you get too close, they keep stinging you. So, you know, after a few times, they're going to kill uh-huh. you. you know, is yeah, this sure, yeah, well, um, fair warning, you know. It's, uh, <laughs> Um, which which reminds me of a of, of another another replayability. So every every class of mage in this game has um, has the ability to speak to certain things. So an, uh, an air mage can talk to creatures of the air and so on. Um, uh, and the fire mage can talk to the supernatural elements and that kind of thing. So um, so it just gives you an extra little bit of uh, uh-huh. flavor, I guess. Um, yeah, talking to random animals. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. As, as I do in my real life. <laughs> <laughs> they're called pets yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yes <laughs> and I also read that there is um, now this sounds like a lot to me but 9,000 voiced uh, speech lines is that correct I don't doubt it took That's... a long time right I seem to remember no um, it's again it's those hot, it's, it's a lot of hotspots in the game so the descriptions of all the hotspots are, are voiced yeah, I, and wow. for this one, I had Dark Voice uh, do his own narration. I didn't. I decided to not go with the narrator this time. Oh, so that, um, that, that sounds like a lot to me. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Um, and you know, um, I guess you know when you when you look at a whole myriad myriad of um of hotspots on a screen, you've got to have it. It's it's in triplicate with you know, look, talk, interact. And then I made sure you could click every inventory item on every speaking character in the game and get a different response from then. So that was that was another thing. <laughs> and by the tone of your voice, I'm sure you don't regret that at all. <laughs> oh, I don't I don't mind exploring characters. There's an, a lot of dialogue in the game. Um yeah. if dialogue your if dialogue is your cup of tea, you're gonna love it. If if you really don't play a game to engage in reading, then that's probably not so much the um, thing. But um, most of it is not necessary. You can skip most of the dialogue. But, uh, but a lot of it, I mean, a lot of, I did that a lot of that for the world building. You know, develop, get a sense, hopefully, that it's, it's you know, the, the town of Iganor is part of a big, a bigger world and, you know, it's got its own lore and history and everything. So, yeah. Sure, yeah. Okay, so did that contribute to the... To the ten-year development of the game. 
all the, oh, all the dialogue. <laughs> I'm trying to think what what were the big factors in that. I mean, probably. I mean, one thing is, is you know, it's it's Chris doing most of the work, so that's it's one right. one guy doing most, you know, putting it all together or doing a lot of the programming. Um, and you know, anyone who's ever worked on games before will know that bugs seem to replicate themselves and create more bugs. You know, you fix one thing and then something else happens, and so he's doing all that himself as well. I guess there's always there's always like natural bottlenecks in development when you when you're waiting for certain assets to come in uh, so you can't do this until you've got that and all the pieces are in place and everything and also you know you, as you go along you change you realize this part's not working so it has to be redone or you know rewritten and you know it could be better if you had something there or didn't have that there but if you take that out then you've got to change everything else and yeah. I know yes you may <laughs> that's uh, so again like this has a knock-on effect on the rest of the game it does it does oh. um and you know you make changing something seemingly innocuous can cause quite a lot of of hours of work to get right and again, you know, like I said, I keep bringing back the perfectionist uh, thing. You know, Chris is definitely a perfectionist when it comes to getting, uh, you know, getting his coding right, which is exactly where you want perfectionism to be, really. So, uh, game, game, you know, game killing bugs. So you've nearly finished the game, and oh, I do want to change this thing. Oh, we need to remake the whole game. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Um, yeah, no, that, it's just funny as as I've been seeing the playthrough recently, began began to realize, ah, oh, that. That bit was added quite late. I remember that. Oh yeah, that, that yeah, we had to. We had, and by adding that, this had to change. And oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, and uh, I remember the um, the side quests for the classes had a lot of revisions, particularly one in particular that just went through like just didn't work. So I rewrote it and then rewrote it again and rewrote it again. So you know, and sometimes you don't know if something's going to work until it's scripted in. Sure. It looks good on page, uh, on the page, but then you get it in the game, and you think, yeah, okay, that's not working as well as I thought it would. So you have to do something else. And the game's called Mage's Initiation, but since you said that it, you know, it was inspired partly by Quest for Glory, where did you consider making a game about any of the other types, like uh, you know, a rogue or a thief or or a fighter, or was it always Mage from the beginning? You know, when I play Quest for Glory, I have always enjoyed playing the mage slash wizard. Um, I really don't give two hoots about the other classes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, I want to do a game where if we're going to do a Quest for Glory type style game, I want to do my favorite class and I'm going to, it could be a choice of mage, 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 or wait for it, mage. mage. <laughs> Guess that, that answer, that's a no fighter then, no... Uh... <laughs> That's uh, right. No, no rogue. No, no offense to Hero U at all. <laughs> um, yes, no rogue. Yeah, no, 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 uh, no hero class or anything. But yeah, I hope that the the, the four come across as a different types of mages as, as as quite different from each other. Anyway, by the way they by the way they play out in combat. Sure. So there's still there's still a different types of mages. So it's still different. Mm-hmm. And and uh, when you talk about the fighters and everything, you know, there, in the lore there is um, a few references to mages being um, quite um, less passive uh, and and more aggressive and and dictatorial, I guess, in 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 their in their past. So they um, they tried they tried to move on from being a warrior type cast, uh-huh. being a more um, peaceful type cast. Of course, there are some that don't necessarily agree with that philosophy. Mm. Interesting. Mm. You want to go back to the way things were. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> that's human nature, isn't it? 
Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, it's very, very, very topical thing to say, really, isn't it? Make majors great again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no, there's no, yeah, there's no, there's no orange majors. Uh, there's always... <laughs> oh god, that would actually be very funny. But anyway, <laughs> I, I feel myself going down a rabbit hole, which I probably don't want to go down. <laughs> Or, or maybe they they want to break out of a union. I don't. I, yeah, no, I won't go into that. Well, <laughs> Ma- well, <page> exit. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the majors have. Uh, there's a little hint in there of the majors considering anyone who's not a mage to be inferior. Um, uh-huh. But uh, just a little bit of that in there. Um, but it, it's actually interesting because. Uh, in my head, it's interesting because um, they the whole point of them is to keep humanity from from developing technology. Mm-hmm. Because what happened in the distant, distant past is that humanity had created all this technology and the elements got a bit peeved about it and wiped it all out, um, reset humanity back to sort of pseudo medieval days. And the major's job is to keep everything in the status quo. So if in future in future installments, I'd bring that in. More, but that's um, that's just the, the big history I have in my head that that I was um, basing it all on. Oh, sure. So it's all well. A lot of it seems to be planned out then. <laughs> I I I had, I had six um, games all up in in my head. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I had written the the next two to varying degrees of completion, and and had a very fluffy idea what I was going to do with the, the last three, and I had, I know the last scene of the last game what that would look like um so I, I i would know where i would be heading towards but yeah um okay well here's hoping that you can <laughs> that there will be a demand I'm, i think from what i've heard that there, there seems to be like a demand for more from what i've heard of the reaction to this game i, I might as well ask ask you now are there any i know you've it's taken 10 years to make this game it's probably the last thing you want to answer now but um, you probably just want to go on a holiday or something now. <laughs> but are there any plans on making more games uh, set in this universe? In um, the future, I'm quite, I'm quite partial to the universe. I've spent a long time in it. Um, <laughs> if it takes 10 years, I, <laughs> each game, look, uh, medical technology aside, I'm not sure I could be around <laughs> for all of them. <laughs> well, the six games, so what, 60, 50, 60 years? Yeah, we, I mean... We, <laughs> We'll probably yeah, be I, using I think, VR in yeah. the in the game. <laughs> a good chance, good chance I won't remember my name by then. So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh. No, um, I think uh, anything we aim to do is going to be based on um, you know uh, you know interest, like you said, um, how how well majors sells. Hint, hint, and, and go buy the game. <laughs> exactly, please do buy it twice. Once for a friend. <laughs> That's right, exactly. So it doesn't matter if they don't play it; just get buy it. For them. <laughs> um, you know, anything. I think both moving forward, we'd like to you know look at projects that don't take us that long. Obviously, um, that we can get <laughs> out quickly. It would would be um, would be the aim, I think. Um, so we, if if we if we depart from that. In the, from that universe and, and go in a different direction for a while. That's that's um, that's fine. So, yeah, um, game making is tricky. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I've learned that. I mean, I had an idea before, but after speaking to different game developers, that's the one thing that all of them have said. 
that making games is difficult and challenging <laughs> and, can, and usually takes longer than what you imagine. If you t- if you plan that it's going to take two years, it'll probably take ten years. <laughs> and you, get, you definitely learn patience. Um, fortunately, yeah. my first computer was incredibly slow, so I, 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 have, I have that experience. <laughs> but, uh, yes. Yeah. My respect for you guys has gone up. I, was, I already had a lot of respect for game developers as it was, but after speaking to you guys and realizing just how difficult it is, you know, I think, God, it's making games is tricky. Because I was thinking, maybe, I mean, I don't know anything about code. Maybe I should try. Maybe not. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, so we love, we love you. Chris and I often, often joked over the years of, you know, well, couldn't we just do a game that just involves one room? <laughs> just <laughs> one character, one room. You play for five minutes. It's over. <laughs> that could be the next game. <laughs> But, you could have fun with that. You could have fun with it. You could have a, a, a you know one room that exists over a period of you know different time periods and that kind of thing. But yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, um, and do you think if uh, you if you do make a sequel, do do you think that now you have the assets, now you have maybe you know the characters and everything? Don't do you, do you think you you could take you know less time now that you have everything, or will it still take a long time to make a sequel? Uh, from, um. If yeah, if we could, if we set, I hadn't planned to set the next one in the same location. Um, if oh, that was the case, <laughs> then you would be you would certainly be able to do that. It would be a lot quicker in that respect. But I, I think if you're gonna if you don't if you're gonna follow up a story in the same setting, you need to you know explore other areas right, of so that of that still, world. Still new settings and yes, um, locations and it it yeah. Uh, I don't know how you could do it without, without, without having a, quite a lot of, of work involved. I'm not sure you can shortcut that. Right? Yeah. No. That's. Uh, I've just got to check to see if you can make a second. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but um, yeah, look. Um, if 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 enough, I guess if enough people say yes, yes, give us a sequel, give us a sequel, Dal, then I guess we'll get onto it. But we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, hopefully then. Um... So, where can people buy the games then? So, we can start with uh, Alamo and Mage's Initiation. You can find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash Himalaya Studios. Or you can find us on Twitter. Okay. www.twitter.com forward slash Himalaya Studios. <laughs> <laughs> that makes it easy. <laughs> that does. It does. Um, fi- finding me on social media is a little trickier because I'm I uh, as as a... In, in my profession, I find myself um, a little shy of it, um, just 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 out of, of necessity, really. Um, I go, don't go on social media and have a rant about anything, so I <laughs> wouldn't do me any favors. Uh, <laughs> but but um, definitely for the Himalaya, uh, for the official Himalaya stuff is the best. Okay, thing. so so you don't mention your secret government projects on Twitter, no? That's <laughs> right. That's sorry. Yes, that ah. has to be. It has to be as secretive as a as, as a as a collusion investigation. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> with the Australian government, with Australian New Zealand, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we oh. pair up. In, we we pair up in wartime, so that's that's, that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's good. Yeah, maybe the Irish government are involved as well for you know, some reason. <laughs> <laughs> you know where we live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, a lot of Irish people have gone to Australia anyway, so <laughs> we're taking over. <laughs> we're taking over. Okay. 
There's a lot of us around with Irish ancestry, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that is true. <laughs> <I did> that. <laughs> it's just Ireland with good weather. That's <laughs> why <laughs> well, most people came here. <laughs> exactly, that's true. And, um, and the ones that hadn't committed, the ones that gone weren't deported here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe a lot, a lot of us goes, yeah, where should we send them? Yeah, just send them to Australia. A lot of people are like, hey, yeah, sure, yeah, send us to a place that's, that's warm and that's nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah that sounds like harsh punishment, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure people are like, oh, we have this country where it's raining and cold and it's very harsh. Oh, yeah, you want to send me someplace sunny? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to commit a crime now. <laughs> 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 right. Oh, a bit of loaf of bread. Yeah, nick that. Okay. Oh, do I have to go to Australia? Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, do you have a website? Do you have an official website where people can buy the games? You can find us online at www.himalayastudios.com. Oh, that's good. And then uh, can you buy it on maybe Steam and GOG? Is that... Uh, you certainly can. I believe definitely. I believe both of those. Certainly, Steam is is absolutely correct. Yes, I think I know that Chris is looking at uh, into other uh, avenues, uh-huh. uh, getting the game on. Getting it on Steam was was an adventure in itself, but we got there. <laughs> Sounds like maybe some other time we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could get Chris on. He's lots of lots of inside. Uh, yeah. Information yeah, about how things, how things, how, how things uh, work, work behind the scenes. Fortunately, fortunately, I uh, I don't have to be. Um, well, I'm privy to them, but I don't I don't have to be dragged through it all. <laughs> sure, yeah, so that could be an adventure game by itself. <laughs> how to get the game on Steam? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that's uh, that's definitely where you can um, you can find us uh, and 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 locate all our games as well. Including um, the remakes, right? So the King's Quest remakes. And you'll see, yes, I, you'll see all the remakes in there. I'm looking at them right now. I went, oh, yeah, they're all there. Excellent. I would recommend people to play, even if you haven't played uh, the original, or at least King's Quest, I'd recommend people to play them because uh, I've played them a long time, but I really, really enjoyed it. As mentioned, they're very professional, and I would you know, happily pay for them. But those games are, you know, are free, and then there's Alamo and... Major initiation as well, so. That's right, and then we've we've also got a little um, uh, mini game called Postcards from Anazira, which is based on Alamo. Oh. It's basically a um, it's an object finder. Don't you have time to play a full Western adventure game? You can just play a small, tiny little casual game at your leisure. Sure. Okay. Okay, so I'll leave it to you to take us out then, uh, Daniel. So any, this sounds kind of a, any last words? <laughs> uh, yes, um, thank you very much for, for all your listeners for listening. Um, uh, and thank you for the opportunity to um, talk about um, my life <laughs> and, and, and our games. And, yeah, that's been, it's been a real we pleasure. To, we, we look to hear, forward to hearing all the, all the, all the wonderful um um, feedback and we're very grateful for everyone who's uh, already um, purchased mages and um, we're um, yes it's, it's very humbling to get such positive uh, feedback from our work um, we do look forward to being able to do something in the future if uh, so, if you so wish us to yeah so t- 10 years later <laughs> yes that's right <laughs> No, well, no. I wish you guys the very best of luck, 
and uh, I hope that you guys, well, do what you guys want to, to do, but I believe AdventureGamers.com called made his initiation the first great game of 2019, so, you know... Oh my goodness, yeah, no, absolutely. Got very positive reviews, and from everything that I've read, it's very positive as well. So, uh, I would, yeah, I would definitely recommend people check it out, and hopefully, you can continue making uh, these games or any other games you want to make. So, um, so yeah, I think we've covered everything. So, <laughs> well, hopefully, it's, hopefully it's long enough. <laughs> there we go. We've covered, we've covered everything, including uh, both our cultures and histories, which. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's fascinating. We've covered politics. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's why people tune into this show to talk, to hear about politics and uh, Australian right. history and Irish history and, and a little bit about games as well. So that was my interview with Daniel Lacey. I hope you enjoyed it. And as he mentioned, if people buy the game, people want more games set in the Major's Initiation world or they want more sequels to the game, then he hopes to continue making them as well. So, again, if you are interested, if you like kind of fantasy games as well, if they're similar to Quest for Glory, uh, I would recommend that people try it out. Uh, next week, myself and Thomas Bex will be discussing with Thomas Bex, who's played the game, will be reviewing the game in more detail, so you'll be hearing a neutral point of view as well. And I will also be speaking about the Long, Dark and Firewatch and some other games maybe as well. So, once again, thank you for joining me, and I'll see you all next week. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for Adventure Game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at AdventGamePod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you